Bibles, I'm going to ask you to go back with me uh, to two passages of Scripture. Uh, Psalms 46, verse number 10. And then we'll look at 2 Chronicles. We've been dealing with the subject of be still and know. And somebody asked, know what? God, the rest of that says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. So Psalms 46, verse number 10, real quickly. Psalms 46, verse number 10. The text says, be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I'll be honored throughout the world. Be still and know that I am God. Go to 2 Chronicles chapter number 20. And we, let's read this one from the King James Version of the Scripture. Um, and starting, we're just going to read verse number 15. Verse number 15. Glory to God. Verse number 15. The text says, and he said, Hearken ye all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat. Thus said the Lord unto you, be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but who? Read one more time. The battle is not yours, but who? God. It's God's. He says, be not afraid nor dismayed for the battle. Uh, by the reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God. Talking about be still and know. Knowing something, having knowledge or having confident assurance of something uh, is critically important for us, especially in our faith walk. Um, we know the story, and I'm not going to repeat all of it, but you, we talked about Jehoshaphat, and we talked about the fact that he was a king of Judah. And the nation of Judah, which was the southern tribe, you know, Israel was divided up into two tribes, uh, the, the two, two nations, the ten tribes in the north and the two in the south. The ten in the north were Israel, and the two in the south were Judah. Judah was now being surrounded by the enemy, uh, getting ready to attack them. And Jehoshaphat, the Bible says in the first part of that 20th chapter, when he saw that, sudden fear arose in his heart. But then the next thing that Jehoshaphat does, which, which lets all of us know what we should do, and it lets us know where he stood, he said he sat himself to seek the Lord, right? In other words, he, he saw what was happening around him. He got the report. Come on, y'all. He got the information. How many of y'all have ever had a report or information or a diagnosis or whatever? And, and, and when that thing first came, sudden fear rose. But I submit to you, what you do after that is going to determine, amen, how you uh, come out of that thing that you're facing. So he sat himself to seek the Lord. And so uh, I started looking at this. And again, today I want to talk about this, this part where this 15th verse where it's, it's critically important where he says, be not afraid nor dismayed. Okay. How many of you know, if, if I were to ask you a question, what command in the scripture is mentioned most often? Anybody know? Yeah, you're right on point there. It is fear not. All throughout the Bible, God is constantly saying, fear not. You can check it. I mean, I, I, I ran some reference scriptures this all throughout. He, he keeps saying, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. Look at your neighbor and say, fear not, neighbor. Amen. <laughs> all throughout scripture, he keeps saying, fear not, because 
I think it's important for us to know that God desires for us not to be afraid. Now, again, that doesn't mean that scary stuff doesn't happen in life. It doesn't mean that, that, that we won't uh, have that sudden fear that arise. But again, the scripture that we always quote, be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and keep your feet from being taken. Go with me to Deuteronomy the third chapter right quick. Look at Deuteronomy chapter number 31, verse 6 through 8. But the most common command in the scripture is fear not. And then we're going to see here, even when he says fear not, or neither be dismayed. You know what it means to be dismayed? It means to be shocked. It means to be appalled. It means to be in awe. He says, don't fear and don't be shocked or in awe. And usually when he says fear not, he follows it up with something that he's going to do and that he's promised from his word. He promised us through his word. But look at what Deuteronomy, the 31st chapter, Deuteronomy chapter number 31, and look at verse number six. Deuteronomy 31, verse number six. And if you can find it, say, I got it, preacher. The reason why I'm, I, I think as we're talking about be still and know that I'm, that I'm God, be still and know, one of the things that, that I, I, I see happening in Christendom today is many believers are operating out of a spirit of fear. And if you're operating out of a spirit of fear, you cannot effectively and you cannot victoriously live a Christian life operating out of fear. If people are afraid of a lot of stuff. But what God is trying to do is to get us to be like Jehoshaphat was in that 20 chapter of Chronicles. When something suddenly arises in our life, when a, when a situation comes to us that causes us to fear, then we suddenly set ourselves to seek the Lord. Put our minds on him. Set our minds on him. Look at what the text says here as God is encouraging his people. Here. He says, be strong and of good courage. What does he say? Fear not nor be afraid of them. Watch this. Why? For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Now he says don't fear, but he follows up and tells them why they shouldn't fear. If I have God on my side, if I have the God who created the heavens and earth, if I have the God who put food on my table, amen, clothes on my back, a roof over my head, if I have that God operating with me and the Bible tells me greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, then why am I afraid? Guys, I, I, I grant, I give it to you. Life situations are going to happen and, and, and the Bible says it rains on the just as well as on the unjust. So just because I'm saved don't mean I'm not going to deal with some stuff. How many of y'all out there can raise your hand and say, Pastor, I've dealt with some stuff. But the God that we serve says, fear not. Now watch this. Look, look, at, look at the text. He says, he, he says, fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Look at the next verse. Let's go. It says what? Uh, and Moses called unto Joshua and said unto him, in the sight of all Israel, be strong and of good courage. For thou must go with this people under the land which the Lord has sworn unto their fathers to give them. And thou shalt cause them to inherit it. That's, that's critical because Moses is now prepping his second in charge, Joshua, to lead the people into the land of promise. Moses understands at this point that he won't get a chance to go over there. But he's preparing his second in charge to lead the people into the land of promise. Look at the next verse. Watch this. I love this. And the Lord 
He it is that doth go before thee. God is going before you. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be shocked, appalled, discouraged, broken down, scared, however you want to say it. Don't, he says, fear not, neither be dismayed. So if God keeps repeating this over and over again, guys, don't you think that that's something that we ought to start paying attention to? Would y'all agree with me? See, God desires for us to be in a state of what we call peace. There's a, there's a Hebrew word that's called shalom. Y'all have heard shalom before? Shalom simply means peace. And God desires for you to walk in peace. I got two amens on that. Let me, let me come back and say it again. God desires for every one of us in here to walk in peace. God desires for you to have peace in your household. Anybody need some peace in the home? Let me get one more. Can, can, I, I got one witness here. Does anybody need some peace in your house? I told y'all before, it's rough when you got hell on the job and hell at home. It's just, huh? Peace. Fear not. God desires for us to walk in peace, but the enemy desires for us to walk in fear. The enemy desires for us to, 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 to not be what God wants us to be. Watch this. Let, let, me, let me prove it to you. Um, if you will, go to one more. Go to Joshua, fourth chapter, verse number 14. And I want to sh share with you what Jesus said before he left this earth, okay? And he wrote it in the scripture for us. Go with me to Joshua, the fourth chapter. And we're going to look at verse number 14. Just, just real quick, Joshua 4 and 14. The Bible says what? On that day, the Lord magnified, watch this, on that day, the Lord magnified Joshua in the sight of all Israel and they feared him as they feared Moses all the days of his life. Now I want you to understand what, what the text says right here. The, the, you know, because again, remember, they're getting ready to go over to the land that God had promised them. God said, every place that your foot treads upon, I've already given it to you. Now they got a, Moses can't go. The revered leader who took them out of Egypt, he's going to go off the scene here. Because we saw that over in Joshua, the first chapter, when God told him, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, I want you to rise up, be strong and very courageous, and lead the people into the land of promise. Are y'all tra tra tracking with me? So, so we see here, the Bible says, on that day, the Lord, who magnified Joshua? Who did? When you magnify something, what does that mean? You make it bigger, right? Now, they revered Moses, but sometimes we don't respect the substitute teacher, do we? Come on now. When, 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 the, when the main teacher, how many of y'all were in school, you, you little demon, you? you how many of y'all cut up when you had a substitute? Let me see your hands right now. Come on, tell the truth and shame the devil. Look at Galen. Galen raised his hand. Call, call. When the substitute teacher was there, they didn't garner the same respect that the main teacher did, right? And y'all know that a lot of times in, in the schools, the, 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 the head principal gets a little bit more sway than the assistant principal, right? When the head principal comes into play, then students straighten up. And sometimes they don't have as much respect for the assistant principal. No, but now, here the assistant principal is now going to be the head person. But notice who does the magnifying. See, so many times in our life and so many times in, in Christianity, we try to magnify ourselves. 
We try to make ourselves look big. You know, one, one of the things that we are, Maria and I, uh, when we go to different places and different conferences, uh, even when we interact with other people, one thing that we don't try to do is try to make something be that it's not. And you, and you, talk, you talk to preachers sometimes, and because we carnally try to measure the success of ministry based on the way the world does it, okay, then everybody want to know how big is your church? How many members you got, Doc? How many are running on Sunday? As if the number of people in the service validates the validity of their ministry. And see, here's my take on it. If you got 25, minister that 25 like you're ministering to 5,000. If you got 200, minister that 200 like you're ministering to, to 2,000. See, God is interested in us doing exactly what he told us to do where we are planted to do that thing. So don't try to raise your own self up. Don't go give your own self a title. Uh, I'm bishop. What are you bishoping over? Ain't nobody following you. How are you a bishop? Oh, I'm apostle something. Uh, you're an apostle. How many churches have you actually went about and established? Oh, uh, I ain't uh, none of them. But, so you're not doing an apostolic work. Can I get a witness? So don't try to magnify yourself. If you exalt your, if you exalt yourself, God's going to bring you down. But if you humble yourself, come on now, God resists the proud, but He gives more grace to what those who are humble. So, 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 so fear, fear. He says, he says, on that day, the Lord magnified Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they feared Him. Now, again, there's two types of fear. Just jot this down real quickly. Two types of fear. One of, is, one of them is productive, the other one is not productive. Two types of fear. The first type we're going to talk about is constructive fear. Constructive fear. Everybody say constructive fear. Constructive fear is that fear that's really helpful. This is constructive fear here. The Bible says, and they feared him as they feared Moses. This, is, this means really, can, we, can I use a synonym there? A word that's similar to this, it means they respected him the same way they respected Moses. Somebody asked a question the other day. Uh, I think it was Sister Daisy in Bible class. She says, do you earn respect or, or do you just give it to people any, in, you know, in it, in it, so any, anyway, no matter what they've done? I'm paraphrasing the question. But, but, but when you look at it right quick here, especially when it comes to leadership and ministry, let the Lord bring the respect to you. And that respect comes by the way we live, by the way we treat people, how we do things, all right? So, so the, here the Bible says, the Lord magnified him in the sight of all Israel, and they feared him, they respected him. So we got constructive fear. That's, that's the fear that, that, that's healthy. If you have a healthy fear of electricity, you won't go out there and grab that electrical wire, will you? Everybody says it's a healthy fear. If I'm driving on a road... And, and it's icy conditions and, and I slow down and drive real carefully because there's a little bit of fear and trepidation about me sliding off into the ditch. I believe that is constructive fear, right? You have some fools who despise wisdom and knowledge and know there's an ice storm and they go down the road driving 75 miles an hour. Everybody said that's a fool. See, 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 and, 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 and constructive fear says it, it's there to help me and to boost me along. The actual word constructs means what? To build up, right? But the second type of fear is what we call destructive fear. Everybody say destructive fear. Destructive fear 
is designed to tear you down. It's designed to mess you up. And the enemy is the one who brings destructive fear. Now, guys, watch this. Again, all of this is about relationship. When Jehoshaphat set himself to seek the Lord, when the prophet of God, the man of God told him, don't, don't, don't be afraid, neither be dismayed, because the battle is not yours, but it belongs to God. It's all about understanding the relationship. And see, when we don't understand the relationship, then, then and, and we're not connected properly in our relationships, then we'll operate in a spirit of fear. Disconnection invites fear into your life as it relates to your connection to God. One of the things that we've been emphasizing around here is, 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 is our theme is building faith and connecting families. Everybody say building faith. We're constructing that and we're going to connect families. Families of all sorts. But one of the things I want to I I mention to you, because the, the bedrock of the family is the, the relationship between the husband and wife. As a matter of fact, God uses that relationship to describe how Jesus connects to his church. You remember over in Ephesians, y'all know, when you go down, husband, love your wife like Christ loved the church, right? Uh, wives, reverence your husband and respect him, right? Is that right? Did, did it say that? Can I get one witness, hey, uh, uh, brothers? How about you, sister? Will y'all, will, y'all, will y'all admit that the Bible says you, you should reverence your husband? Can I put it that way? Think about this for a second. This is a little sidebar, but I want to share this with you. Because when we disconnect, it invites fear. When we disconnect with our God, it invites fear into our life. When our relationship with God has a disconnect going on. Now, when I say disconnect, understand what I'm saying. If I'm truly born again, I don't lose my salvation, but I can lose my fellowship. Any of y'all ever been out of fellowship with somebody who you've been in relationship with? I mean, whether it's a family member, whether it's a husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it may be. But that disconnection will invite fear. Every person who I've married in this church or someplace else, when they come, walk, when that bride walks down that aisle, I, I've sat here and I've, I've seen uh, husbands to be sit here, had never seen them cry before. But when that bride comes down that aisle, dressed in whatever she's dressed in, with that veil over her face, I've seen dudes just start bawling up here. And and, and guys, th- those are not tears of of fear or trepidation; those are tears of joy when that bride and groom. Look at each other on that wedding day. It's easy for them to imagine that the way they are feeling about each other on that special day is the way they're going to feel the rest of their lives. Because nobody, I don't think, gets married coming down that aisle thinking, oh, Lord, what am I getting myself into? Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Let me run now. Can I run now? No, no, no. You're sitting there thinking, oh, my God. Look at this beautiful angel that the Lord has brought to me. The possibility that they would ne- that they would ever disconnect from each other seems like something that is that is that is that is uh, just treacherous and unimaginable. But guys, unfortunately, as a pastor, I've had a front row seat in watching what happens to many marriages after their magical wedding day. I've had the misfortune as a pastor to to see people get saved and are excited about Jesus and want to know more about him, want to grow to them now not even, amen, even coming down the street to the church's own. 
And then when you call them, they get like they get mad at you for calling them to try to encourage them. At one point in time, the relationship was hot. But now it's going to get cold. Sound like a blues song coming on. <laughs> Since my baby left me. Yeah, 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 yeah. But nobody imagines that. But the disconnect, disc, everybody say disconnect. Time and time again, uh, the, the, the man and the woman who were crying on their wedding day, tears of joy, are now crying tears of sorrow and sadness. And most of the time, these couples have no idea, amen, what happened to them. Let me, let me clue you in. Somewhere along the line, guys, somewhere along the way, they use, they use something, whether it's a disagreement, uh, a hurt, an unmet need, or a, a different priority as an excuse to move away from one another and create disconnection in their relationship. See, when you move away from God, you're creating a disconnect. Yeah, God never leaves us nor forsakes us, but when we are moving away from him, the fellowship is broken. And God desires to have intimate fellowship with every last one of us in here. He'll do whatever it takes to bring you into his presence. So, 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 so what, hap what happens here, guys? So something happened, disagreement, a, a deep hurt. Any of y'all have been hurt deeply before? And I, I'm not just, not just talking about husband-wife relationship, but family relationships, or co-worker relationships, amen. Uh, you know, if you got fired from a job, it's kind of hard for you to go back up to there unless you got really prayed up and you are really, amen, flowing in the Holy Spirit. That, that man who fired you, would you go to lunch with him? Most of y'all wouldn't. But if you got fired for the right reason and it helped you to do better on your next job, and you learn from that. And now because that person fired you, I told you I got fired when I was 16. I, I got fired. I didn't know I got fired. <laughs> Any of y'all ever, ever got fired and didn't know you were fired? I mean, it, it, was, it was just done so, so, so cool and, 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 and non-hurtful. They just, they just don't put you on the schedule anymore. <laughs> Come on, it's a part-time job, you know. But when they didn't put me on the schedule anymore, I finally figured out, well, maybe, maybe I've been fired. I mean, I, honestly, guys, I, I didn't, I mean, I was young then, I, I didn't know, and I, I would listen to some, some guys who I shouldn't have been listening to, tell me what all they did, so I figured, you know, hey, they did it, I can do it too, but I was in a different place. And they just took me off the schedule, but you know what, that was the best thing that ever happened to me as it relates to work and work ethic and knowing, knowing that God watches over me in every arena, including my work environment. Hadn't been five cents. As a matter of fact, it spurred me to work hard as unto the Lord like I should have been doing in the first place. So that was a good firing. Every time I see that man, I speak to him. He's still alive today. And when I, I, I'll, I'll just go up and give him a hug and say, man, thank you for taking me off the schedule. Because, because of that, I've got promotions all along the way, every place I went since then. Amen? So some, some stuff can be good for you. Look at them and say, it can be good. But guys, listen, so whether or not you were disconnected through firing or whatever, whenever we choose disconnection, we, what we do is we invite fear to fill that gap between us and God and us and the other person who we're in relationship with. Some of y'all got some friends now where you're disconnected from. 
because of something that happened. Somebody said something, somebody did something. You were hurt deeply, and so as a result, you have disconnected. Amen? Fear and love are enemies. Go with me right quick. Let me prove it to you. First John 4 and 18. Go, go with me right quick. All right? Because I want to, you know, Josephat did it the right way. He set himself to seek the Lord. But guys, we have to learn to overcome. We got to learn how to conquer our fears because fear will cause disconnect in relationships. It happens with us and God. Because, you know, when we are fearful about something, that means that we don't really trust that God's going to do what he said on the back end of that promise. When he, every time he told his people, fear not, he came with a promise. I'm the Lord your God. I got your back. I'm going to take care of you. The enemy's over in the land, yes. There is opposition there, yes. And don't you think for one second because you're born again that you're not going to have some enemies. But that's okay. When God told them, Every place that your foot treads upon in the land of promise, I've already given it to you. Before you even get there, it's already yours. But guess what? There was opposition there. Opposition in the land. But God said it's already yours. Are they, are they, are they just going to move out the way and let us have it, God? No, you got to fight. How many of y'all know you got to learn how to fight? Now, I know some of y'all know how to fight physically. But I'm talking about learn how to fight spiritually. See, let me see the hands of all y'all. How many of y'all out there, you know, when you were coming up, you, you know, you didn't mind fighting if you had to. I mean, you, maybe you didn't go looking for one. Because, Sandra, I remember you didn't mind fighting, did you? Yeah. Don't tell the people. Don't, don't tell them about it. Okay, I won't tell them. But God says, I want to prep you to fight spiritually. And the sad commentary, the sad reality is, is that most Christians don't know how to fight spiritually. Oh, yeah, we know how to fight physically. But what about spiritual warfare? Watch the text here. So we said here, we said fear and love are enemies. They are at war with one another. The moment we begin operating in fear, we create an environment that's hostile to love. Look at what the text says. In the KJV says, there is no fear in love. But perfect love, gape, God kind of love, cast out fear. All right? Because fear has what? Torment, fear, destructive fear will have you there rambling things around in your mind that will not even come to pass, but you'll make yourself sick because of destructive fear speaking to you. This is going to happen. He's going to leave me. She's going to leave me. What am I going to do? I ain't going to have enough money to make it. Well, how are we going to make it? How, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? God says, fear not. That's what he said. He said, learn to trust me. You belong to me. You're my child. Learn how to trust me. Watch this. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. So if I'm operating in a spirit of destructive fear, that means that there's been a disconnect disconnect between me and the one whom I'm in a love relationship with. Hallelujah. Fear has a goal of disconnecting you and fear will destroy a relationship marital or otherwise. Are y'all listening to me? The only way to build, repair, and sustain a healthy relationship 
is to turn your love on. Look at the neighbor and say, neighbor, turn your love on. Say, keep it on. Say, pursue the goal of love at all costs. Now, I'm talking about your agape love. I'm talking about the love that, that, that transcends feelings, the, the love that transcends, amen, ethnicity, the love that transcends where you came from, the love that, that overlooks, amen, somebody else's faults, amen, and you see their need, that kind of love, the love that looked down on you with your, with your, with your, with your drunk, uh, 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 uh low-life gambling, hating self. That kind of love looked down and saw you and said, you know what? I know you're foul, but I made you and I want to have a relationship with you. That's the kind of God we serve. No matter where we've been, what we've done, God says, I love you. Come into my presence. Are y'all listening to me today? So, 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 so there is no fear in love. But guys, watch this. Fear causes disconnect. Connection, listen, when I say connect, that means the ability uh, to transfer love back and forth in a relationship. That connection will drive away the fear and bring out the best in us. You know what happens? And let me say this. I got to move forward. When two people have been operating in disconnection for a while, the goal of connecting back might seem real difficult. Huh? Some of y'all have relationships that you're thinking about right now where you've disconnected. And, then, and maybe it's husband, wife. Maybe it's somebody in your family who, because of something that was said, something that was done, you got offended. Any of y'all have been offended before? Huh? Because the Bible says a man that is offended is harder to be won than a strong city. So when somebody's operating in offense, in other words, you, you still remember that thing that happened 15 years ago. You still remember that thing that happened in childhood in your family of origin and you have not properly dealt with it. And as a result, it's causing you not to be able to connect appropriately with that person who you should have a connected relationship with. And God said it's time to connect. Everybody say it's time to connect. But, but, but fear, here's, here's the fear. Well, if I open myself up, I'm going to get hurt again. If I, I, it, nobody likes to feel the hurt. But when you love with the agape kind of love, you sometimes open yourself up to being vulnerable. But here's the part about it. When the agape love is driving it rather than your sensitive feelings, because see, feelings kind of love, you know, that the arrows, the just the friendship and all that kind of thing. That the feeling kind of love is not what I'm talking about. That's not going to drive the connection. The agape love, the love of God who loves us unconditionally, because the Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him will not perish but have everlasting life. He gave his very best so that we could be connected to him. Can I give you a couple of things right quick? Well, whenever you've been operating in disconnection for a while, connecting back with somebody may seem like a difficult thing. But let me, let me give you three, three declarations, I think, that help to move you toward a loving connection and then turn your love back on. The God kind of love. Three things right quick, and I, and I got to share some things that can help you to conquer your fears. Number one, 
Here's, here's the first declaration you need to make with somebody who you need to connect back with, okay? Listen to me carefully. Because again, this is Bible, and, and I, I don't, if I trace down every scripture to prove my point, then we'll be here all day. So I'm going to give you the declaration. I'm going to give you some scripture also, because I believe that the Bible should drive our actions. The word of God is our blueprint for living. I don't care what you say, what you read, what you saw on TV, the word of God should drive your viewpoint on life. Don't let people, don't let your ethnic background, don't let who you are, amen, grew up with drive your, 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 your viewpoint on, on life. Let the word of God be the principal thing that guides your, your life decision. And if you do that, I promise you, you can't go wrong. So number one, number one, here's the first declaration you need to make in order to connect back because disconnection produces fear. Fear of hurt, fear of being taken advantage of again. How many of y'all have, have, have somebody's tried to come back and renew a relationship, but you say, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to watch you, but I've got one eye open. When I sleep, I'm going to sleep with one eye closed and one open. I'm going to watch you. Because you're sitting there thinking about what happened 20 years ago. You're sitting there thinking about what happened when you grew up. You're sitting there thinking about the last time you hurt me. And disconnect is there. Oh, yeah, you look good on the outside. Oh, you're the perfect family. Wife, husband, two kids, house in the suburbs. Everybody look at you. You're rolling up in your nice vehicles. You're looking sharp. You're dressed sharp, but you're empty on the inside. And there is nothing there. You know it. Both of you know it. But you just decided, well, this is just the way it's going to be. I refuse to live life that way. Me and this lady right here, after 32 years of marriage, we've, you know, we've had Ups and down. We had challenges in our relationship. But the one thing I can, I can tell you that is that we were committed to each other for life. And if she's not going anywhere, and if I'm not going anywhere, I'll be doggone if we're going to sit up in there in that house and be looking at each other crazy because we refuse to connect. We got to get it right. I, 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 I can't do that. Can't do it. All right. So let me. I'm, I'm running out of time, y'all. Watch, watch okay. All right. Here's the first declaration you got to make if you're going to reconnect. Number one, you're going to declare this. I will forgive you for past mistakes. I will forgive you for past mistakes. Why is that, why is that necessary for us? Well, first of all, God forgives us for past mistakes. I believe that was somewhere in, in the Bible where Jesus said, if you don't forgive others, hey, Come on, I'm not obligated to forgive you. While you sitting there praying, you know, the Bible says, you know, in Mark 11, it says, have faith in God. Thou shalt say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast and seen, don't doubt in your heart, but believe those things which you say are going to come to pass, you'll have what you say. But you say, while you're praying, you got to forgive. you asking God to bless you, but you ain't forgiving nobody. So first declaration is, I will forgive your past mistakes. When you and your spouse or you or anybody else get disconnected and that feeling of love seems to be lost, it can be easier to replay the wrongs over and over again in your mind. And that's what the devil does. Do y'all realize what the Bible talks about? The, uh, the, the, the devil is the accuser of the brother. The devil will torment you with past memories of bad decisions. And he'll play it like a movie over and over and over and over and oh, I ain't through and over 
and over and over and over again in your mind. And you're sitting there wanting to connect, but he keeps playing the stuff over and over and over again in your mind. So that's why you got to get something else into your mind besides what the enemy is. is. The Bible says bring every fault into captivity unto the obedience of Christ. Okay? So, 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 I got I to gotta declare that I will forgive you for your past mistakes. Thinking about what has hurt you will not help to solve the disconnect. Forgiveness is the first step to showing love and respect for one another again. Now, now, now let, let me say this while I'm on that, okay? Forgiveness is not a free pass to allow that abusive or unhealthy behavior to continue. Some folks will keep dogging you and doing stuff that's crazy. It's like, you're supposed to forgive me. You're a Christian. Yes, I will. But you ain't going to keep slapping me like that. Hello. I forgave you, but you ain't going to keep running around on me with, with your side chick. I mean, I'm, talking about, I'm a woman saying that now. Not a man saying that. You got to clarify nowadays. You understand know what I'm saying? But you're, you're, you're not going to keep running with your side chick and then come back home. Oh, I'm so, so sorry. You forgive me. No, 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 no. Listen, repent means to what? Turn away from. You got to dish that number. Take it out your phone. Give your spouse the pad code. And don't change it every two weeks. Talking about security, the Russians are going to get me. No, no. They need to have your passcode. Blame on the Russians. Now the Russians, I admit, the Russians have done some dastardly stuff. They trying to mess us up. But don't blame it on the Russians. I can't give you my passcode because the Russians may get it. No, 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 no. We're trying to, everybody said, we're trying to reconnect. But forgiveness, again, don't misunderstand me. It's not a free pass to allow that person to continue in that abusive behavior. Okay, it's simply the key that unlocks our hearts to experience freedom and love again. So you got to forgive. You got to forgive. Some of y'all got your foot on somebody's neck and you ain't letting it up. It's like, you hurt me and I ain't going to ever let you forget that. Do you feel it? Just grinding folk, just grinding them. And God says, you got to forgive. Now, guys, listen, forgiveness comes when you connect with your God. Some stuff, I, I agree with you, it's hard, but you can't do it, and you were never designed to do it in your own strength. That's the problem that you're having. You're trying to, you're trying to do this stuff in your own strength, and your emotions are all over the place. Some days you feel like, I got it, I got it. It's going, it's going good. Then all of a sudden, that memory pops up. The enemy's going to bring it up. You, you, you went three months and you thought you were past it and something happened. Some look, some smell, some event reminded you of the hurt and the pain. So then you start back all over again because you keep trying to do it in your own strength. God will help you to forgive. So point number three, number two, can't skip you. First of all, I'm going to declare I will forgive you for your past mistakes. Number two, I will choose to move towards you, even though we are disconnected. I will choose to move towards you, 
even though we are disconnected. I will choose to move towards you. Everybody say move toward me. Even though we are disconnected. You know, fear, fear, fear drives us to disconnect as a means of self-protection. We're trying to protect ourselves. Because nobody, nobody likes to be taken advantage of. So fear will drive you to disconnect. But if, if we're ever going to reconnect, I got to make a decision. I got to choose to move towards you even though we are disconnected. When we think we need to protect ourselves from being hurt or rejected by our spouse or a mother, father, brother, sister, cousin, whoever, co-worker, the, then, then our goal becomes at that point in time, we, if we're still feeling that fear, is to, is to make sure that we create a safe distance. And that's why you're not connected because you're you saying, I ain't moving. I remember what happened last time. I'm staying right where I am. But if we're going to reconnect, even though we're not connected, I got to start moving towards you and you got to start moving toward me. When's the last time we talked? When's the last time you prayed for me? When's the last time you meditated and fasted over our situation, over our disconnection? See, all that stuff, when you start praying for people. As a matter of fact, I got Bible on that. Do y'all know I got Bible on that? Do y'all know I got Bible on that? I ain't just talking out my, out my mouth. It's just talking loud. I ain't saying nothing. I got Bible on that. The Bible says, pray for those who despitefully use you. That's what it says. So even though we're disconnected, part of the process of moving towards you is I got to start praying for you. I got to start praying for our relationship. Even though feeling-wise, ain't nothing changed, but I'm moving towards you. I'm moving towards you. Remember how the choir used to walk in? <laughs> Had them robes on. You can do that to simulate you moving toward them, okay? Don't turn around like this and go the other way. If you do, start backing up. If you have to back up to get to them, just back up to get to them, but then turn around. You got to move toward them. We ain't going to ever connect if, if you stay over here and I stay over there. All right? Are y'all with me? So, so not for that to happen, it requires both of you to stop protecting yourself and start moving or start choosing to move toward that person and start choosing to trust that person to protect your heart and your connection. Point number three. Watch this. Number three. I will take responsibility for how I treat you. I will take responsibility for how I treat you. Okay? I'm going to take responsibility for how I treat you. Because when we disconnected, it, it, it doesn't cause for peace. Have you ever been around somebody, uh, whether it was, it was uh, at a family gathering or whether it was at work or what is it, at a community event or whatever, and, and you could feel that there was something not quite right? Something in your inner man says, you know, yeah, yeah, okay, that's Joe. Joe, Joe said we were right, but something ain't right. You may not even know what it is, but something, if, if your spirit feels, God will give you, you know, God, God will give you a spirit of discernment. Uh, and, uh, but, but you, you can, you can kind of sense when things are not quite where you need to be. So we got to move toward each other. Okay. Fear brings out the worst in us. So y'all got number three. I will take responsibility for how I treat you. When I hung the phone up, 
Hello? I'm going to take responsibility. I, I was, I was, um, Mararia uh, was in, were you in Kroger? She's in Kroger the other day shopping, you know, and we were trying to get stuff together. We had family coming. Thank God for uh, my, my, uh, my, my, my bride's family that drove distance and flew to come watch this boy graduate. Boy, now, can, can, I, can I just give kudos to my in-laws? I mean, I, I, I like my in-laws. Some of y'all don't like y'all's, but I like mine. That's my thing, I love them. I, I love my in-laws. I, I, I know some, some of y'all don't be up there bragging, Pastor. Listen, I can't help it that you, 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 you hate going over mother-in-law's house. Start stepping toward her. Start stepping. Come on. But I, I, I love my in-laws. And, and so, I mean, see, see, people don't think of this stuff. Remember, it costs money, Sue and Skip, for y'all to fly from Cincinnati down here. That costs money. So we, we told them, it, 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 and those who drove, it cost, you got to put gas in your car. Tony, you drove from Cincinnati, staying in a hotel. That costs money. And we say, boy, <laughs> young man, he's 18 now, y'all. Young man, appreciate that. Because everybody don't get that. You better appreciate that. And, and where, where's his first cousin? Where's TJ? There's TJ sitting right next to him. In, in a few weeks, not, maybe not all of us, but some of us going <laughs> to jump on a plane and go to California to sit out and watch him graduate. His class has 800 and something students in there. Y'all follow me? And you know how most folk going to do. Come on now. And we, we, we won't do this here, but I know some folks do that. He's a Kirk, which is probably about the middle of the pack. Once his name is called and he goes across the state, what do y'all do? Where you going? You ain't got nowhere to go. The rest of these babies want, want to be honored too, but you, you don't tipped out because all you came to see was TJ graduate. You gone. I saw people do that in graduation. Oh, I'm telling myself. What's Kiara? Kiara graduated from Northwest. There's a lot of names on that program. It was hot outside. It was crowded up in there. And when they said Kiara White, now Kiara was at, in the College of Business. She was at the end. But once they said Kiara White, Sherry, nobody else there knew us. I'm so, so. All right, y'all, y'all, quit, quit messing with me. Quit messing with me. What? Did I tell y'all to go somewhere? Huh? Oh yeah, yeah. She was in Kroger. <laughs> Talking about being willing to, to being willing. Y'all don't mind me being transparent, do you? Okay. She, she was in Kroger, and I, I know she was trying to prep for all the people that were coming in, and, and I know my wife. She likes stuff right, and when it's time to work, she wants everybody to work. Yvonne. I know you that way too. <laughs> she wanted everybody to work. And so, so she was out grocery shopping and, and I called her for something and she called me. I called her. And she was, you know, trying to get stuff done, getting her, you know, time, get, get here to do this and that. 
And then it's like, what, what you want? And, and, and she was just sharp. And then she just hung the phone up. <laughs> Bye. But it wasn't, listen, let's stick together. It wasn't 20 seconds later. She called me back and said, baby, I'm sorry. I, you know, I said that in the wrong tone. Uh, you know, I had a lot going on and stuff. And, and I'm, I apologize for talking to you that way. I said, well, thank you, baby. Now, let, let, if you backed up 20 years, that wouldn't have happened. Can everybody say growth? growth. Say it again, say growth. growth. But man, I was, I, was, I, was, I was thoroughly impressed. I mean, not, not that I didn't expect, but, but again, she's doing that kind of stuff. As God keeps growing her, man, our connection gets stronger. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, by the way, also, you know, uh, we had... Brother Reuben take care of with some ribs and stuff, and they were real good. But also, this, this ain't even in the sermon notes, but st- stop listening to everybody who may not know what they're talking about. We were, we were in Kroger's, and we had got about 12 slabs of baby back ribs. Put them in the basket, and some random dude with a Kroger tag on said, they're going to be on sale tomorrow for $1.49 a pound. So the one we had in our basket said $3.49 a pound. So we went to the front. They try to say, okay, this is going to be on sale tomorrow. It's close to midnight. Can you give us that? And they said, no. As a matter of fact, the, the cashier said, we don't even know anything about that. Where do you get that information from? <laughs> Am I lying? She said, we don't know anything about that. Where do you get the information from? Then we said, okay, I'll tell you what. It's going to be on sale tomorrow. I know Ruben wanted them tonight, but let's, you know, we called them and said, it's going to be on sale tomorrow. So would you mind if we brought them to you tomorrow? So what do we do? What y'all think we did? Took those ribs. I went back to the back, put those ribs back in that thing, and then went back the next day. I'm talking about listening to random dudes who, you, who, who don't know. Who, who. Yes, I went back there and I got those ribs, Leroy. The same one, the baby batch. And then later in the market said, well, no, those are on sale. It's those over there, those big pork, those big long ones. The ones that I didn't want, they were on sale for $1.49. So I wasted gas and time. You better know who you're listening to. That dude wasn't managing the store. He didn't, I mean, I appreciate him trying to help us. He just came across being nosy, saw we had all those ribs. And he was trying to help us out. What's the moral of that story? Don't listen to everybody. You better find out who you're talking to. All right, so y'all, y'all know we try to save money when we can. We said we'll come back for the difference between three forty-nine a pound and dollar forty-nine a pound that, that can add up when you're buying twelve or thirteen slabs, but you got to listen to the right people. All right, so three things, and I got to stop here, I, I, guys. Conquering your fears will be next week. <laughs> Al, you understand this? I know, I know, I know. These series get a little long, but sometimes you just got to go where the Holy Spirit tell you to go. I believe somebody was helped today. I believe somebody is going to start. Stepping toward that person. Even though you ain't feeling it, start stepping. See, the Bible never tells you to feel it before you be, obey it. That's the problem that we have. We're trying to feel it before we obey it. If you just start doing the word, then the word begins to work. You said we're trying to feel close to him before you are close to him. No, you start stepping. Praying for them. Stepping toward them. 
and that disconnect will begin to, to come closer. Okay, so what's the first thing we said we need to do? What, what's, what's the first declaration? What? I will forgive you for your past mistakes. I mean, they really mean it. They don't mean that you let somebody take advantage of you. Some people aren't healthy for you. Let me say this again. Some people aren't, aren't healthy for you to be in a relationship with. So you got to decide, is this person healthy or not? You can love them, but you may not be in a relationship with them to the degree that you were. As a Christian, you got, you got to love everybody. But I ain't got to live with you. Huh? Some people are toxic because they ain't saved, they ain't trying to do nothing, and they're trying to bring you down. And the sooner you recognize that, the better off you're going to be. But you forgive them. Say, so, man, I forgive you. I love you. Uh, sister, I love you. But we can't, we, can't, we, can't, we can't be in a relationship because you keep trying to scratch my eyes out. You cuss me out every time you get mad. And that's, I, 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 I don't need that in my life. That's not biblical. That's not godly. Okay? So I'll forgive you for your past mistake. Number two, what? I will choose to move towards you even though you're disconnected. And I will take responsibility for how I treat you. Jesus wants to connect with us. God is always stepping toward us. He said this, draw nigh to me. And what did he do? I'll draw that step. He, God's stepping toward you. He said, you draw, you come, I'm coming. But if you stop, God said, I'm still here. But you got to keep coming. Draw nigh to me and I'll draw nigh to you. Guys, don't let fear stop you from moving with your God. Jesus Christ gave his life for you so that you could have a personal relationship with him. Your relationship with God should take precedent or should have the highest priority over any other relationship in your life. Be sure that you're saved. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you.